0: Welcome to the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. The stories we tell ourselves and others shape the lives we lead. I'm your host, Dara Lise Lyons. Welcome to another episode of the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. My guest today is such a... A force of inspiration and transformation Um, after his expectations for his life and his career were sidelined he did not give up but he found his purpose in doing something that he was really truly meant to do and so today we get to hear him talk about that and also get to do a deep dive into what happens when your expectations aren't met and when you have to change direction so i'm really excited to hear his story and i know you will be too
1: thank you for having me on today my name is daryl d ray reynolds um, media personality and former basketball player Uh, just a a quick uh, brief history graduated from nova in 2017 after being there for four years so that 2016 year was huge for us and winning that championship Uh, after i graduated had a short stint with the 76ers for the summer league but ultimately ended up playing up overseas uh for a year over there had a great year one of the most sought after rookies really um i don't want to say fell back in love with the game but i found a new passion for the game when i was out there was really excited about the following year which would be the 18 19 season and when i got back took a little bit of time off i want to say a month after uh i got back home i um i was playing pickup at la salle on a break for a layup, got pushed out of the air, and I hit the ground, tore my ACL, LCL, PCL, and I ripped off my hamstring, causing residual nerve damage. Um, So obviously when I first got that like grocery list call, uh, you know, from the doctor saying everything that I hurt, I, you know, went to a panic at first. Like I didn't know, you know, exactly what I was gonna do next. Um, And I immediately jumped into what I knew second best to basketball, which was communications. decided to put together a talk show. I've always admired the late night talk show feel, the Arsenio Halls, the Johnny Carsons, the Jimmy Kimmels, the David Lettermans. I've always admired that type of feel of a show. Um, So I put one together with my former teammates at Nova. Found great success, was featured on NBC Sports, FS1, and we got some traction behind it. And I realized that um, almost as much as basketball, if not more, um, my excitement and and the, the fulfillment I get from Conversing with people and figuring out their stories and figuring out the stories that kind of all play into the ultimate one Like for example with you know, Chris Jenkins in 2016. He hits the shot I'm more interested in everything that happened behind the scenes and everything that was going on in his life that made that moment what it was So that's kind of my staple as a media personality. I guess getting the story beyond and behind the story But thank you for having me on the day. I guess we're gonna talk about my story a little bit
0: After D-Ray's injury, um, he had to make a decision, right, as to whether or not to stay down or dig deep and get back up. And one of our show sponsors today, Just Strong, their um, logo is the squat, because what they say is that it's not getting down that's the issue, it's what happens after you get down and digging deep and finding that strength to get back up. So if you would like to take advantage of um, 10% 10% off on any Just Strong product, go to www.juststrong.com and enter the coupon code daralease 10 for 10% off at checkout. Thank you again so much, D-Ray, for being here. Of course, thank you have having me on. Yeah. Well, I was so struck by your story and just the lack of self-pity in that, like the fact that you just sort of course corrected. But what was it like to have this dream and this vision for yourself mm-hmm. and then go through this injury? Like, what was that like for you?
1: Um, I mean, quite honestly, it, I, I don't want to make it sound like it wasn't difficult because it wasn't, but it was always something I wanted to do. I just thought it would be at, uh, at 35, not 25 i've always been very in tune with like art right, what happens if you know basketball isn't the thing because i didn't start playing until about 15. Okay. so because i started playing so young it wasn't like a dream that i grew up with and it was like through and through um so that was the only thing i think that, that was kind of the saving grace but it was it was difficult it was difficult because it was just the doctors when he called me on the phone he told me like everything that had happened it was several other things too but those like the main things he's straight upset at the end like you might not play again. Yeah, you know he's he's like, he's like, I'm almost certain you're not going to play again. Yeah, you know, I don't know who did his sensitivity training, but he told me right then. Yeah, so I was just like, okay, all right. And like I said, it was a it was a dark day or two. And then it's it's like, okay, now what? Yeah, you know.
0: But looking back on it now, I mean, mm-hmm. like, on the one hand, I feel like, okay, that doctor was super brutal to just yeah. say, you're not going to play again. Yeah. But I also wonder, for me, sometimes hope can be devastating. Yes. Having that false, false hope. hope. Yes. yes. Yes, yes.
1: So I was I was happy that he was a straight shooter. It was just, I wasn't ready to hear it right then. Yeah. But like you said, it we got it out the way. You know what I mean? So it's, it's after about a day or two, it was just like, all right. Now what, you know, what happens if this isn't a thing? And I had had the, the idea for the talk show um, beforehand, so it, was, it wasn't that hard of a pivot. It was just, I don't want to play ball again, yeah. you know, and then I, in the, the sense of false hope, um, the nerve damage, no one realized how serious it was. So, you know, when I first got hurt and I had like, drop foot and I can't, I can't pick my foot up. I'm just like oh a surgery they'll fix it i never tore anything i never had surgery i'm like oh a surgery i'll be good afterwards and then after surgery he tells me what he had to do uh the the surgeon and he just was like just take it month by month he was like do not look forward to go day by day or week by week this is a month by month
0: thing wow you know. yeah and that's so hard to not be in control of your own body yeah. especially if you're used to being a high level yes. competitive athlete yes. so what what was that like for you
1: uh to be quite honest that um i I think i i I cried twice about it i cried twice about it i cried when the doctor first told me but for me um i have big brother syndrome i'm always the one that's like i gotta take initiative and i gotta do it first and i just a little bossy uh when i was younger but uh for me that was i remember uh, the doctor come to my house and they were dropping off this machine that would help compress and ice the injury and I go to do something. I'm like, I, like, my leg is swollen to just a crazy amount. And I go to do something the doctor says, you can't help us. You can't do anything. Just let us do this. Yeah, waterworks. Like, you know, I'm talking like, uh, they shot G-Baby style. Yeah, tears. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, ugly cry. <laughs> like, I couldn't, because it just, it took what? so much out of me to hear you know you're not like you said you're not in control at all yeah. you know as, a, as an athlete you are you're always kind of taught like it's on you, yeah well, not always obviously you have your team, but your training your body your work work ethic is on you so to here
0: oh you yeah. know it's
1: obsolete and that's probably been the most difficult part of, of dealing with this year and deal, I actually still have I don't know if you can see it I have a brace on right now okay. that allows me to walk oh, um wow. because like I said I have that nerve damage, so like that might be the most difficult part but the fulfillment I get from tapping into this other side is, yeah. is good.
0: Well, plus the, you said big brother syndrome, right? Yes. So how many siblings do you have?
1: I'm the oldest of five.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you have that as yeah. part of your makeup, it's Ex- like, oh, I'm always the yeah. one everybody's looking to to exactly. be that exactly. example.
1: Exactly. So I've, I kinda, I kind of, I mean, my mother always instilled that in me. My father's always been the no excuse type. Um, so that kind of upbringing, you know, played into it. But then, like you said, being an older brother, then having a the younger sibling, if something happens, everybody turns to you. You know what I mean? Like, everybody looks at you. And, I mean, it's, it's not, it's nothing to complain about, you know, no. necessarily. Like, you, you mentioned pity, and it was just, like, these are first world problems. You know what I mean? I think that's what kind of, once I had it put in perspective, it's just, like, it could be a lot where yeah. you could not have your leg at all.
0: Did part of this, though, teach you, because if you're used to people looking at you, did part yeah. of this teach you how to look to other people in yes. a way that you hadn't? So, yes, yes. talk yes. about that.
1: That was the most, uh, one of the most difficult parts as far as, like, the real world. Um, as athletes, I don't care what anybody says, we live in a bubble. Yeah. You know, as an athlete, you always have, you kind of, you're shut off. Your reality is altered um, just because of, you know, you don't understand the people approaching you for one reason or another. And, you know, people say, oh, in the real world, they I mean like in the workforce when you're not, you know, your, your laundry for your workouts isn't washed for you. Or, yeah. you know, you have to do things like, for example, I went back to Nova and coached this year and I found out how many things just didn't get done. Yeah, Somebody did it. But with that, being in that job, starting a new career, uh, starting a new life, I realized how much help I needed. And, shout out to you guys for helping yeah. i don't want to you know yeah. i want to shout out who here but my new feeling let me just yeah, let me say my new feeling my new feeling uh, uh was a huge help but to you know for me I, I never had to to be as proactive as i had to be this year and you know approaching people for help and asking for help but it, it's, it's been nice and it's nice to know that it's not something that's you know that, that if you approach people the right way and you go about things the right way and you're living right, that people are more than willing to help because oh, you're that type of person. yeah, you know?
0: absolutely. And people have genuine heart. I think people want to give and they yes. want to be there and yes. sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's like our own false pride that gets in the way yes. of being able to take yes. that in. And I had so. a lot of
1: that, I had a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, in your experience of athletics, mm-hmm. I wanna hear, so, I played D two college volleyball, Mm -hmm. and um, but nobody nobody was washing my laundry. So, like, (laughs) tell me more about what it is to be a D one athlete and an athlete at that at that level.
1: Um, I actually leaving high school. I only had the start of my senior season. I only had D two offers. Um, and I wanted more, I wanted more. I always felt like I want to go play at a high level school. I want to play at a high level school. My school was ASU. It was ASU or Temple for me. Okay. Uh, Temple did not offer until later in my prep school year, which is a postgraduate year after I graduated. Um, But yeah, I I was chasing, I was chasing that. And when I got there, I understood that this level of clout and this level of, you know, attention that comes with being a high D level, high one, uh, sorry, high D1 uh, level athlete was, it was a lot. You know, it, yeah. it was a lot, it was a lot. Don't get me wrong, I never, I won't trade it for the world. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the memories that I made at Nova were great, but you know, it was a lot, it was a full-time job. It was a oh, full-time yeah. job, but it was a lot to be had from it. And there was, there was so many things, so many networking opportunities. I remember um, one day we were in New York for an event and Coach Wright brings in these CEOs, I don't want to say the companies, but yeah. these CEOs from these big time companies he splits the team into two rooms and makes us like, um, you know, talk to them and, and, and network with them and, and and learn about them and be able to talk about ourselves without talking too much about ourselves. I'm doing that a lot right now, but- um, <laughs> This is the yeah. format for that, so
0: bring but, it on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah. But he, he let us do that, you know, and because of those things, like I said, I'm happy that I understood that this isn't normal. You know what I mean? Um, like I said, the laundry, you know, we have managers, it's like, I swear it's more managers than players and coaches and staff combined you know when it comes to, to d1 sports we're like we had managers you were missing something it was there for you uh when we showed up we had our books and our stuff ready for us we didn't have to go to the bookstore yeah. and go and you know um stand in the line and get our books like regular students would have to so like i said it was and Coach Wright did a great job of it. His, his thing is, is humility. You know, we always wear uh, wristbands and say humble and hungry. He constantly speaks on it and, like, constantly checking yourself and understanding that this ain't real life. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is what it is because, don't get me wrong, none of us. Uh, I'm not saying none of us were traded, it, but it's just put it in perspective and understand that, you know, if, if your biggest problem is, oh, I don't have the socks I wanted. Or I don't have an arm sleeve for this game. It's just like,
0: eh right you know we'll get it yeah but
1: understand this is more to life than this yeah.
0: but it sounds like you did get good exposure to mm-hmm. different things and and yeah. values and lessons and mm-hmm. classes because when you did have to make that transition mm-hmm. you had other skills it wasn't just basketball yes right so how, how was that how did
1: um, that come, come about my mother and my father uh my mother, both of them just crazy work ethic, quite honestly, because of necessity. Um, but my father has like the entrepreneurial mind. You know, he thinks, he he's a, he's a fox like me. He thinks, you know, he looks at things and yes. it's like, all right, what isn't being done? How can we get around this? How can we get around that? Do it the right way. But you know, it's always something more to be had. My mother is just, she's just like, you know, I'm gonna work, you're not gonna outwork me. Um, but both of them, it's so funny, I'm realizing so I'm speaking about it now, both of them worked in a field that involved them talking a lot. Mm-hmm. My father's a barber. Okay. I um, own several barber shops and so he's actually out in the Phoenix now with his barber shop and I would watch how he would, you know, yeah. he would work the room and talk to different people and understand different things and I was just like, I want to be that, like I I still do to this day. Uh, And with my mother, she worked the phones at uh, Independence Blue Cross for eighteen years. Okay. So I would watch her public speaking skills and her ability to, you know, change tones and things like that. So those things were I didn't realize like coming up were always with me, Um, but them on top of giving me those skills, you know, inadvertently then constantly telling me, you know, remain humble or understand that your books are just as important as, as basketball. And like I said, we, because we weren't that type of family, we were just like sports, 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 and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just stepping outside of me wasn't that difficult, yes. you know, because it wasn't something I was um, conditioned for, right. you know, from the time I was a kid.
0: Yeah. Well, and I love, so you had shared sort of before we even got started mm-hmm. that one of the things that you love best about hosting a talk show yeah. is getting people to open up about their stories. Yes. And I asked someone the other day, you know, like, who do you confide in? And his answer, I expected to just be like, oh, my best friend or my therapist. He's like, oh, my barber, you know, yes. like I tell, yes. I tell my barber yes. everything. Yes. So I feel like you came by that yes yeah, that love of other people's stories. They're just honestly. great.
1: Anybody who's ever been to a barber shop, and I'm going to say this quite frankly, a black barber shop, okay. um, understands the, the 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 ability for them to tell stories, the ability to connect with people. I mean, like it's a <laughs> we joke as black men, like it's an intimate relationship with yeah. your barber. You know, the next two weeks of your social life is really up to the dude who's holding the clippers. So like y'all better have a good relationship. Y'all better you know talk to each other and understand. But like I said, just when I say grew up in it, I mean like so after school I would go and I would sweep up at the bar. That was my job. You know yeah. I would we would I would go to school from what is it, school seven to three, eight to yeah, three, right. and then I would go to the barbershop. The, the bus would drop me off you know by the barbershop, and then I would sit in there. And I would sweep until my father's ready to leave at like nine o'clock. Wow. So being a kid. Here's a I shouldn't have, quite honestly, but yes. being a kid in that environment and seeing, like I said, like the way guys set up stories, the way they, you know, kind of segue into things, it was like, it's kind of like watching, it's, it's a constant reel of stand-up comedy.
0: Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean?
1: So like I said, like seeing that firsthand, I was like, I want to do that. But I always admired um, the relationship that, that someone could have with their barber that, you know, you first went in there and it turned into a... Uh, yeah, you know, it's just, I just need to cut blah, say, blah and then years down the line that could be somebody your wedding. That could be some people's best friends. Like my father, some of his best friends his clients. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? So that ability to, to to channel that and get that that he would um, you know, be able to produce in the barbershop for me is probably the most fulfilling part of it.
0: And to relate to people from different walks of yes. life with different stories, different yes. socioeconomic statuses. Like, yes. I mean, I'm sure that that's a skill that has come in handy for yeah. you. Yeah, because
1: yeah. They they're they some of the most versatile people. I mean, hopefully, you know, yeah. I'm a good barber socially. Um, obviously there's, there's differences, but like I said, like my father in particular and his group of friends, their ability to just, I would watch the different characters, you know, in a haircut is 30 minutes. So I would watch that, like, he would pivot from, talking about the Rob report and you know something that was just in Esquire magazine yes. with one client and then you know he's talking about the Biggie and Tupac debate with another client and he's talking about you know raising children with the next and this is all in a matter of an hour and a half so I would watch those pivots and you know I was sitting there, I didn't realize that coming up I'm sitting there taking mental notes like I might have had a notepad but it played into so much of who I am as a person and you know, that was what he would get from it, but the, the joy and the, the, you know, the jubilation you would see people leave with, to me, I was like, that's priceless. Yes. You know, that's almost better than the haircut they just got.
0: Oh, totally, so <laughs> is, that, is that joy, is that what you look to cultivate yes. as you're doing your yes.
1: work? Yes, I, I always say, I mean, like, these, these chairs are good, but I'm, uh, I study people's body language a whole lot, and I love when I'm doing an interview and I'm noticing, for example, one of my best friends, um, Jalen Brunson, uh, real, real thorough due. Um, you know, we were together, we did an interview with me, him, his mother. So I'm sitting here, Jalen's sitting here, his mother's sitting here. And I watched from the beginning of the interview, Jalen's sitting up and he's, he's tense and he's, you know, he's, and I think I don't, I don't give people the questions before. I kind of just like, I'm just like, all right, we're just gonna go. You know, Which I did to you, no, 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 so no, 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 sorry about no, that. No, 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 I love it because what happens <laughs> is it makes people give genuine answers. Yeah. You don't have time to think and script things out. Yeah. You have to like, just go. But I watched this Jalen in the beginning of the interview, he's sitting up, he's tense, and you know, I'm watching how tight he's holding the mic, and I can see he's like somewhat uncomfortable. So choir, him, I get it? And then by the end of it, he's sitting back, he's relaxed. And for me, that, I was like, that is what I was trying to accomplish. I'm trying to get you in a position where like, you're so comfortable and vulnerable to to share your story, the real story. Because athletes, that was a huge part of I started too, is athletes, we have these like drilled questions, yeah. and we kind of have these like, you know, automated answers, mm-hmm. and, and I hate
0: it well i hate it as athletes i think sometimes you get locked into this identity that you are what you do yeah. that you like that yeah your worth yeah. is determined by your ability to yeah. play or not play yeah. this game which mm-hmm. listen i love athletics mm-hmm. you know i come from a very athletic oriented family but what happens if you do get an injury exactly. what happens if you're 30 suddenly yeah. and then can't play your sport, yeah. right? Like, who are you outside Who are, of that? are
1: you? Yeah. And that's, I think that's one of the, 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 the I'm not going to say the biggest tricks because it's, it's something that's understood if you look hard enough, but, you know, athletics, like we spoke about, most people, if you're lucky, like Vince Carter's what, 41, 42 at this point. He's hes a freak. You know what I mean? <laughs> but most people, that, that, that mid to, uh, early to mid 30s, you're done.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, God willing, you're living to 70. So it's like, more than half of your life you're not playing that game you might be involved with it you might be talking about it or things like that but you're not actually playing that game and i think one of the most underrated things with athletes and i'm not i don't mean to jump on the more than the athlete bandwagon here but is who are you outside of that how many layers do you have to you outside of that some i'll be quite frank with you don't and i don't care for those individuals i'm sorry because it's just i i i I, I like whole people you know what i mean i don't i've never done well with people who can't see past what they're doing, um, but some of my best friends, some of my closest friends, is, who were athletes or who are athletes, um, professionally and non-professionally, have layers to them and are just deep people. Like I give an example: um, Amari Spellman. He played. He played for the Hawks. Got drafted to the Hawks. He plays on the Golden State Warriors now. Amari is a is a big time poet. You know, he is a. a and through, I don't mean like oh, just messing around. I don't mean aspiration to be a rapper. I mean like he genuinely writes poetry, but it's therapeutic for him. And when i found that out i'm just like that is not but the kid's a beast he got drafted 30th you know what i mean like this is the same guy and it kind of it kind of like wigs people out when they figure out that those people can be in the same person you know what i mean so like i feel like
0: my job is to to show
1: that other side
0: right right and i personally feel like well how can like we as human beings are so diverse we are so many different aspects and elements and so I hear that, and I'm like, well, of course he's a poet. Like, yeah, 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 how could yeah. he not be? Yeah, a exactly, poet, right? exactly. Yeah, and, but yeah. it, it, it's
1: it's something, that, and it's a narrative. that's this changing, but it's just people are people. I love. I, I'm a more, to be quite honest, like I'm interested in sports. A, a big part of my identity yeah. is staked on sports. I'm way more interested in, in human emotions and, and who people are. I've always, I was that kid that had to take things apart to figure out how it got put back together. I want to know how things ticked, and when you get to like the layers of people, who they are and how they got to where they are uh, today. It makes some of the best stories.
0: What would you say is like one of the things that has surprised you about what makes you tick? Because I feel like part of what we do is we're always studying Mm -hmm. ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So like you kind of get under your layers. What's something that you feel like drives you? Um,
1: I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't realize how competitive I was until I didn't have something to channel it until i didn't have basketball over this past year i had to really um i, I like i remember i was talking about the show one day with somebody and it was like why do you like the night the night show feel? And i was like i like the back and forth mm-hmm. i like the fact that i have to um for example you know uh, i had my friend chris on the show and you know I was like, how you been man blase blah, blah. So he was just you know we're talking we're talking we're talking and then he says something about he mentions um he was like oh i don't you know i was mentioning his story yeah. on instagram i said when you go in there you put up this thing called scary eyes. what is that he's like, i'm in my job you know that's that's my nine to five i don't go and sit behind the desk and i immediately go you find something wrong with sitting behind the desk oh. and i was like i didn't realize that comes from my ability to being like i have to think of something just as quick i was like that back and forth but as i really got down to it i was like that's a competitiveness yeah. you know what i mean and when i didn't have basketball to channel that i was like, ah, I get it you know and now i see why coaches as crazy as they are because when you don't have something you can directly apply that to it's um it's difficult so that's probably been like the for me this year
0: see i'm competitive too Mm -hmm. like super competitive (laughs) Mm -hmm. one of the things that i've realized is that when i'm competitive with myself yes I seem to be able to direct my powers for good instead of evil, but when I get competitive with other people, oh, it's game over. Exactly, exactly.
1: Game over and game (laughs) on. So it's just, you know what I mean? I had to to learn how to, like you said, channel that the right way. I think that's so interesting that um, in dealing with emotions and things like that, I'm so glad you spoke on that, is it's not so much about not feeling it, it's how you use it.
0: Right, right. Well, because our emotions are, they, they really are meant to take us or to direct us to take some sort of action in our lives. Right. And I think, I mean, maybe not every single emotion. If I wake up feeling sad, I don't need to give up my job or, you know, like (laughs) my whole life. But if there's a pattern, I mean, I remember when I was working in finance, I was miserable Mm -hmm. every single day. That wasn't the career for me. And I needed to use that, the information of my emotions to Mm -hmm. shift something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, they can go either way, right? Like things can pull us towards them because yeah. they, it feels good, and yeah. things can Push us away. repel us away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So talk a little bit more about with the with the talk show and like how did you even decide to do that? And then once you'd made the decision, how did you go about making something like that happen? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, First of all, the show is called Stay Tuned with D-Ray. I'm surprised. Yeah. Stay Tuned with D-Ray. And we're going to put that in the show
0: notes as well. (laughs) Yeah, Thank you.
1: Thank you. Um, But the the title comes from the idea that there is a constant ongoing story. Um, There's a, like there is, uh, it's just, it's always evolving. It's always changing. It's always something being added to the pot. And um, like I said, it was just, I got back, I've realized that certain people weren't interviewing Um, our players and I wondered why it was like it would be a no-brainer for this person or that person to interview them and I realized that it wasn't their job to interview them I was like all right well I can do it but I would the reason I wanted them to do it I was like they wouldn't know to ask questions and no one else would like I said I got as I hate when I hear as an athlete, I can pick up when someone's on the camera and they're talking they're giving you a cookie cutter answer. Don't get me wrong, some people you have to, yeah. because some reporters are quite frankly looking for a story, looking for anything, so you have to, you turn into a very guarded individual with your, your answering of a question. You start bill checking people. It's just like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not here to answer this, I'm here to talk about the game only. And for me, I was like, I know with my teammates alone, there are a ton of stories. And there are reoccurring stories just in life period. So if my teammates have this, I'm I'm pretty sure I can go to any locker room and they can be like, man, this person does this, this person does that. So I was like, I wanna start addressing that. And then with doing it with athletes, I realized that I could do it with anybody. You know what I mean? I just started with what I knew.
0: Well, and to your point earlier of people sort of putting themselves into boxes or Mm -hmm. being put into boxes, I think that the media the media coverage can yeah. perpetuate that yes. feeling of, oh, well, this person is only yeah. confined to this space mm-hmm. if they're not asking them questions yeah. about like, well, tell me about your family or what are your mm-hmm. aspirations or, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's incredible what you're doing because it allows people to own their own versatility, yes. but also... Outsiders to see an athlete as like, oh, you're you're a human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because
1: it's just that's that's very. I think it's important to do that with any field, is to 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 humanize things. I think that's you know some of the not to get too deep here, but some of the bigger tragedies. Oh, get deep, please. Yeah, (laughs) yes, yeah. In in human history, come from the the lack of ability to you know um, be compassionate and understand that you know this person or, you know, this person is a person, first of all, and they have human emotions and they've been through things and they've gotten to where they've gotten to because of different trials and tribulations and, you know, certain things that propel them. But in understanding that, you know, I I think it becomes a bit better to to deal with people and and be a little more compassionate because, you know, once you're indifferent to that or you start looking at someone as, oh, they're not a person, to me, that's that's a dangerous, you know, that's a dangerous place to be.
0: Oh, absolutely. And then you take it a little bit like even a layer deeper right into Mm -hmm. being able to empathize with someone and say oh wow my emotions are the same as your emotions Mm -hmm. our experiences might be different yeah but the basis of Mm -hmm. what makes humans human is the same and then all of a sudden it becomes impossible for me to willfully yeah hurt you or perpetrate an atrocity against you and vice versa and it's like Mm -hmm. oh well we're we're basically all just navigating this world the best we know exactly. and if we can look to our commonalities that's really healing yes yeah yes. absolutely yeah. absolutely um, so in terms of like in terms of the the talk show and the work that you're doing like what what's been some of the most exciting parts for you uh,
1: quite frankly learned a lot about people who I thought I knew a lot about yeah. um, I learned about where I I had one of my friends on there, his name was Mikel, he plays on the Phoenix Suns. And at the end of the interview, I was like, so what do you want to be outside of basketball? And he says, a second grade school teacher. And I was like, that is incredible. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I never would have thought that he could have did that, but like, you know, you don't hear that every day. So that, um, and just the fun, and I, I know that I'm like pretty monotone right now, I'm sorry, but like, just the, the back and forth and the, the the fun and the banter and just, I've i love that, you know, I've always been a bit of a joke. I've always been like the mischievous one in the yeah, group. Yeah. So to kind of be able to channel that in a way of like, you know, inside jokes or messing around with people has been, I'm, I'm a teaser, I'm usually the one teasing. So to that, uh, that ability to do that in a, um, in a publicized but respectful space.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I love it. All right, wait, I mean, so mischief, mischief. So, like, yeah. bust out a story. What's some of the, what, like, tell me about a, a moment of mischief in your past.
1: Um, <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's PG. Yeah, I'm just... <laughs> I mean, it could be PG-13 or whatever. Yeah, I, just, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was the kid that if it got too quiet, you were like, What are you in there doing? You know what I mean? So I guess when I got older, that turned into, um, I guess the best example is in college. Um, one day we were having a uh, team meal at yeah. Chipotle, and it was a power outage on campus. Okay. So half of the team was going to one teammate's house, half the team was going to the other teammate's house. Obviously, these individuals have big houses. Uh, and we leave, me and a friend of mine, Lee, I'm not gonna mention what teammate it was, okay. we're in the, the CVS, we're racking up on snacks. So I have a, somewhat of a kind, so you know, I got my Fig Newtons and my vitamin waters. So I got yeah. the, the, health, the unhealthy snacks, but not, you know, the worst thing, and he has like gummy bears and chocolates and stuff like that. So like, as we're, I'm looking around, I just feel it, I was like, about to get in trouble. So Coach wright walks past CVS. He peeks in. He walks back and he goes inside. And he looks at me and what I have in my hand. I just like look at him and shrug. It's like, you know, yeah, what do you want yeah. me to do? I got to get snacks for the night. And he walks over to my teammate. He looks over his shoulder. And it kinda of reminds me of that scene of Fresh Prince when he like when the cop like looks at Will, like spray paint, and he looks back and like
0: yeah. shakes his hair, look at him. Yeah.
1: He like looks over the teammate's uh shoulder, sees all the stuff he's buying is unhealthy, looks at me and goes but it was like, I was always the one who, I might not have been the worst one, but I was in those situations constantly. And um, maybe for some of the funniest stories, yes. maybe for some of the rougher times at the same time, <laughs> but I, it's a part of me, so I can't, yeah, I can't give that yeah, up. Yeah.
0: No, I love it, because you're like, in proxy, to misbehavior but you're not necessarily the one who's gonna get in trouble right yeah no
1: i mean (laughs) we shouldn't have been there at all but it's just that's what i mean by mischief i'm painting that picture it's like it wasn't all out bad but it was like like, d-ray
0: got it okay all right yeah because i was all out bad so um, yeah yeah
1: No, I I couldn't be, I was the oldest. So for me, I just had to channel it in these little ways, you know, like I said, I I would tease, I would do little things, but I couldn't be like all out because then it's just, it it turns into it, not you. Right, right. Yeah,
0: like you had to be that example. Whereas I went the other way, I was so bad that my younger, (laughs) that my sister, like, she was so good by comparison, yeah. right? Okay, so okay. yeah. So like, I took one for the for the team. Mind. You got it. You <laughs> yeah, got right, it. Sometimes. Right, yeah. so so <laughs> but um, oh my gosh. So. um... Yeah, like in terms of you and what's next in the Mm -hmm. direction of your life like what you know yeah what is your like what is your vision for Um, yourself moving forward
1: the ultimate vision is i want to be america's coach and i want to be america's host um so after this past year and being at nova um i say coach i don't mean like in the term of being on the sideline in a suit you know calling out plays but just you know someone who can help you know guide people and then teach people one of the most fulfilling things in this past year, when I went back to Villanova and I was director of player development, uh, mentoring those young men and talking to them and teaching them as young men, as much as I was teaching them, you know, as players. So I wouldn't just talking about, oh, you know, when you close out, you know, keep your hands close to your side, or, you know, when you shot fake, do this. I was talking to them about that stuff as much as, you know, or right, as a man, stick by your word, you know what I mean? Take care of your business, make sure you're professional when you're, when you're presenting yourself to people um and i was like if that's why people get into coaching and they're so crazy i can see why because that is truly the most fulfilling thing so i wrap up there and i'm going back to my alma mater in high school which was Lowell marion well my last high school um and i I gotta be honest it fulfills something for me it kind of it it fills a a void that i have so that's like where the coaching comes in i want to you know do public speaking be able to talk to people and you know i'm not um i'm not wallow you know wallow 267 he he's a bit more with his message i'm a bit more monotone but just still getting the same message across which is you know pick yourself up from your bootstraps understand that everything is, is going to be okay if you work for it yeah so that's where the coaching side but the host is just i've always enjoyed um bringing people together and making sure people have a good time you know that barbershop feel and Hopefully as I grow, you know, that my ability to do that and the people I do that with grows, but that was why I like the talk show, you know, bringing somebody on. And yes, obviously it, it appeases my ego a little bit to have a stage and a platform, but it's genuinely about that person's story and about hyping up that person and making sure they're highlighted. And to me, that's what a good host is. And then that's what I want to be just on a, a very large, I'm going to be on a very large scale.
0: Absolutely. And you're already doing that. Thank you. Yeah. And I, and I think you're so onto something because really, you know, a lot of people want to shine themselves, but Mm -hmm. I find that the more I make someone else shine, yes. the more I alive and vibrant yes. I feel. And I, I do some acting, but I also do comedy improv. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I prefer comedy improv Partially because there's no homework, right? Yeah. So like, that that's good. You don't have to memorize lines. But also because the whole point of comedy improv is to, if you just set someone else up for the joke, yeah. you make them look funny, yes. you make them look good. It's react to it. Yeah, then mm-hmm. you're looking good too. Yeah. And it just, it like everybody feels alive yeah. and everybody comes to life. And I think the more you can, and with coaching too, it's all about that as well, right? How do you identify someone's, deficiencies Mm -hmm. and assets and then sort of help them to mitigate the deficiencies but also help them to really highlight and increase and yeah yeah, like rise to the level of their potential
1: exactly exactly like it's just to me if that's why you're doing it you're doing it for the right reason and that's where the good side of the big brother syndrome comes in because you know i know from obviously i'm the oldest you know it was certain things that i went through that my siblings didn't have to and i was fine with that you know what yeah. I mean? Some people look at that and it's like, oh, like I, I, I'm sorry. You know, some people are like, I didn't get this. I didn't get that. It's like, all right, well, at the end of the day, your parents weren't as good. They're not gonna be as good with you as they are with the ones mm-hmm. that follow you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that teaching just has to, that's what pushes things forward. Understanding that and applying that to to everything you do. That Okay, I might have to go through certain things because it was newer to me because yes. I was, you know, cause I was older that was the first one. But if I can then give you the knowledge where you don't have to go through those hardships, yeah. I'm all for it. And also know? if
0: you didn't go through those hardships, you might not be as resilient. You exactly. might not have exactly. the level of self-trust yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever that you've built. Mm-hmm. So like there are good and bad oh, yeah. to everything. Oh yeah,
1: most definitely. Yeah. There's some things you have to have from experience, but the hope um, yeah. is that you can, you, you can save your, you know, someone you're teaching to, someone, I don't want to always say younger, you know, it might be somebody older than you, just in a a earlier stage in a certain, you know, uh, part of their life than you are, um, kind of saving them certain things, or maybe not saving them, but at least saying, you know, if if you're on a road, you're giving them tips to, all right, when you get here, this might happen. When you get here, that might happen. This is how I dealt with it. This is probably the best way to deal with it. Um, But like I said, that, that selflessness and that teaching, constantly giving that forward. If everybody does that, you know what I mean? I I, I think things become a little easier. It's when the, it's when somebody is, oh, I knew it, or I went through this, that, and the third, and either A, they turn into a person that's gonna be like, because I went through it, you have to go through it to me, which is, excuse my language, the shittiest type of person. Or, you know, B, I'm gonna hold on to the knowledge. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna tell you how to navigate, you know, X, Y, and Z, and, you know, yeah. no secret that, right, you know is that right. what I mean like yeah, yeah. you got to be able to teach your own you know how to navigate through certain things because when you're blessed enough and lucky enough to um you know get a leg up for this that and the third I think that the best thing you can do I saw a quote on it recently it was like service um service is your service to others is your rent uh mm-hmm. for this earth yeah. you know what I mean like that's you paying rent so that's beautiful that's serving
0: and that's actually like such a good segue, right? So this is the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. So it's all about how we use stories to transform, which I know is all what, what yeah. you're about. And if someone, like, if, if someone were to look at the story of your life, right? Or they mm-hmm. were to like read the book of D-Ray mm-hmm. and D-Ray's life, what's the lesson or the moral that you would want them to walk away with? What's the thing you would want them to, to learn from you?
1: Believe, believe. Uh, believe, believe that things can be different than what they were. Um, You know, I was born in South Philly on Cemetery Lane. My father got locked up when I was two years old, and it was me and my mother for the longest time. Um, You know, I fast forward to when I started playing basketball at 16 years old and wanted a D1 scholarship, and people were like, you're crazy, you know, that's not going to happen. Fast forward to, I'm starting a talk show, and they're like, you're 6'10 black guy with you know, a arm sleeve, and your monotone from time to time, um, and it's just, it's just been a constant, you know, a constant me believing before yes. it's it's having vision over sight. You know what I mean? Yes. Your sight is what's in front of you. Your vision is you seeing what it could be. And uh, if I wanted anybody to take away one thing from my life, it's just believe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Believe that things can be better than what they are. Believe that where you are today is not where you have to be tomorrow you have to put in the damn work right you, to, you know right. you have to work today for tomorrow to be different but at the same time like it starts with believing that it, it can be
0: because yeah, sometimes i think people won't even do the work if yeah. they don't believe that it's possible yeah. why would you do yeah. that work if you're crazy You have to be crazy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> seriously, seriously i remember like uh steve jobs that spoke on it he was just like you know you have a passion for something um you're going to keep going with it. And that's what keeps you going, that passion, because any rational person would quit with anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? But for me, that's if, if I leave here. I, I know I left here in a successful way if, if that's something that a lot of people take from my story. It's just, you know, believe.
0: Wow, Ray, that is so powerful. Thank so you. Yeah, so tell people where they can link up with you, mm-hmm. watch your show, you know, get connected. Thank What's you, the best you. way for people to kind of reach out to you and become more aware of what you're doing?
1: Um www.staytunednetwork.com which is a website that has all stuff. Stay tuned, the podcasts, the shows. Uh at D-Ray D dot R E Y forty four for okay. Instagram and social media. The show is called Stay Tuned with D-Ray. It's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google Podcasts and Anchor and uh, and then the show predominantly on YouTube and social media, so
0: awesome all right great so i 'm gonna put that in the in the mm-hmm. show notes. people can link thank up with you, you and thank just learn you. more about what you 're doing mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and thank get you. involved and, and, and support and Thank you so much for mm-hmm. talking today. I no,
1: thank you for having me on like i said i 'm sorry i 'm a little but um no you're you f- 're
0: phenomenal. I appreciate it. We talk about everything from uh, you know like uh, creating some mischief at CBS <laughs> to <laughs> you know deep personal experiences and family and uh, yeah and thank people you. so thank you so much
1: thank you thank, thank you, you.
0: d ray's story today was so inspirational and i'm a huge fan of stories that inspire motivate and encourage and if you are too and you also love to read Um, loving healing press has offered 15% off to any viewers or listeners of the transformational storyteller podcast. All you have to do to take advantage of that offer is go to www.lhpress.com and enter the coupon code DARALEASE for 15% off at checkout. That's D A R A L Y S E. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the transformational storyteller podcast. As always, thanks to our episode sponsors, our production team at Rebel Hill Consulting, and of course, many thanks to you, the listener. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I hope you're creating stories that empower you and inspire others.